welcome to the Common Geeking Program. We are a book club style podcast where each episode we discuss a different uh, topic from our own geeky and nerdy perspectives. You can hear the audible <coughs> glasses push up my nose in in my uh, in my tone there. The the nose pad scraping dead skin off your face. Yeah. What? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, you'd scr- you're pushing the glasses up your nose. If you're going to hear it, I feel like that's the only sound it would make. Uh, yeah, oh, I see. I see. What okay. other, unless you, <laughs> unless you have experienced other sounds in that, in that, you not, one that does not wear glasses. I'm not looking for a specific sound here. I'm looking for a vibe. Okay. Okay. You know, it's like, I'm, I want you to hear a sound and think a visual. I don't okay. want to think about the So it's the less sound. about you can hear the glasses. It's more that you understand the glasses. You understand okay. that the, the tone of my voice implied okay. that glasses were obnoxiously being pushed up my nose. Okay. Um, now let me actually push I, the glasses up my nose. As Colin actually puts the glasses <laughs> up his nose. I am your host. My name is Jeff Levitt. And uh, this week we're going to be... This week we're going to be taking a look at Star Trek Picard from cbs and uh you guys want to introduce yourselves i'm joined by two fellow nerds here go for it hey uh i'm taking the initiative and my name is colin ketchin put my thumb on the scale for this episode and i'm hoping it's not a train wreck it'll be fun hi i'm time or chowder whichever you prefer and i was woken out of a dream loop so (laughs) involving voodoo voodoo so yeah we, uh, is that we what you were, were doing when we when jeff and i were setting up the call you're having a voodoo dream loop yeah. you're dreaming about voodoo what what does that mean <laughs> no, no, like, it, it, it was a weird dream where like where like i would wake up uh, see that my computer is mysteriously uh disassembled i then <laughs> i then go up from the basement to find that the garage has been converted into some sort of a voodoo shack, and uh, apparently I have been sold to Papa Legba. Oh, that's and, pretty good. And and, and then what I, is the voodoo shack? What is Papa Legba? What is happening? Those are my three questions. That's that's what I'm thinking too. And then I would wake <laughs> up, uh, see that my computer was disassembled, <laughs> go up to see that the garage has been converted into a voodoo shack, and that and find out that I've been sold to Papa Legba. And that's, then there's there's I've, an episode had, of Star Trek that's actually pretty close to that. <laughs> I've had dreams like that, not like that, but like the same idea of you wake up, you start going about your day, and then you wake up mm, again, and yeah. then you do it. I like, and that was like <laughs> the worst dream experience I've ever had. It was like totally paralyzing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've I had, did not I've have anything that, like I've, that going on with Papa Legba, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> yeah, and and to clarify, uh, Papa Legba is like. Uh, some sort of uh, spirit in voodoo lore where, oh. like, some powerful spirit in voodoo lore. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Chowder, maybe if you didn't study voodoo lore so much, you wouldn't be having these terrible uh, repetitive dreams I, about it. I didn't even study it. I just, like, heard about it in passing and then... Uh-huh. I mean, I, I heard had about that, it in passing. That, Wink. That happened to me with murder hornets. I very frequently... <laughs> um, I'm so scared of bugs that when my dream... When, it, when a bug appears in my dream, the dream really focuses is hard on that bug and i get so scared i force myself awake it's just like i've accepted that it's 
very disruptive <laughs> to my sleep. Uh, but that happened to me this past week with murder hornets because there are these wasps that appear, mud wasps that appear outside our apartment in the summer. And they don't hurt you, but they terrify me. And I had a dream that those were murder hornets. And my cat was trying to eat them. And I had to save my cat. And my body said, Colin, pu- fucking eject. You're not, we're not doing this right <laughs> now. You do not have the emotional wherewithal to process this dream. So, oh like, oh my God. Do you remember know. that? You remember the window in my old house that just like had a perpetual wasp's nest in it and you never wanted to go up there? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes, I, yes, of course I do. How could I not? <laughs> well, on that happy note of, of terrifying <laughs> nightmares, let's uh, let's I think move on to the, the to the summary. I, I guess I should say that first we're gonna do the we're gonna summarize the t- and discuss the topic, and then we'll end off with a little uh, rating section where we talk about you know what we thought about it and uh, whether or not we enjoyed it. So you want to move on forward? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you guys want, I can sort of spearhead the summary given my disgusting amount of yes, yeah, I was on the topic. I was about to ask you to do that because it's so, been it's been a couple weeks since I've I watched Picard and yeah. I did watch it on on your request. So yeah, Colin, I, you want to take hold during the yeah. discuss or the uh, summary? We're about to get into like pretty much spoiling the entire plot of Picard. This is mainly going to be a discussion of how we feel about the show. So if you haven't seen it. Uh, I think you can get a free trial uh, to watch it on CBS All Access. It's 10 episodes. It's not a tough watch. Mm -hmm. So broad strokes, Star Trek Picard is a a streaming television series on CBS All Access focusing around the character of Jean-Luc Picard, made famous from the series Star Trek The Next Generation like 500 years ago. And now he's like, oh, I'm going to do it again. So they made another show about that character. And it's about him being old because the actor is also old. Um, so it's just 10 episodes of a new story involving this character kind of moving forward with his life. Significant for a lot of reasons, but I think something that we should kind of address before we get into our thoughts on this whole thing. I am very much a Star Trek fan in sort of kind of the upper echelon in terms of commitment to the franchise. Oh, Um, there's the sound of that glasses push again. Weird. How did that make it in Hold on, Sorry, I had to get those skin flakes off my microphone. The um, the There are 761 episodes of Star Trek, and I've seen each and every one of them at least twice, minus some of the animated series stuff, because it's not canon, and I hate it. So the, oh, it's not canon. I didn't realize that. Uh, the, yeah, it, it is technically not canon, though it is still part of Star Trek. But um, Star Trek... I know a lot about it. I know a lot about Picard and a lot about the movies. Um, what are your guys' histories slash affiliations with this franchise as consumers? Uh, me? I've only really uh, casually enjoyed Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, I've only ever seen Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, Next Generation. I And I was curious to see what would they would do with Picard. It's it's a fairly simple history with Star Trek, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for for me, um, I've always kind of had a passing respect for Star Trek, but I haven't really gotten much into it myself until uh, a bit more recently. Um, I've seen like a couple episodes of the original series and uh, like w- maybe just the one episode of Next Generation. Um, I've watched the, the, the movies, the new one, not the old movies, but the, you know, they, the they- new the JJ, the Kelvin. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. The ones with uh, with my boy Chris Pine and my boy Zachary Quinto. Those movies. And I just recently, after watching Picard, binged uh, Discovery, and that was pretty good. Yeah, 
and that's uh yeah that's that's sort of my my relationship yeah. with star trek so i i've i've been excited to kind of have this conversation about this thing where it's like you have like a committed fan a casual fan and like a new quote fan i'm assuming yeah. Je- jeff has positive feelings towards yeah, uh, towards these things the generally part. but so so that's how we're coming at this show uh the plot is essentially long after the next generation the last movie nemesis where the character data sacrificed himself for picard uh, and even after some of the stuff in the jj abrams reboot star trek 2009 uh the romulus sun went supernova quite a while ago and then oh uh, yeah so oh, interesting so, so yeah because so the, that movie the is event, an alternate timeline yeah because but that was caused by them going back in time right so the events that made them go back in time from this universe to that alternate universe happened in between yes yeah okay. yeah because at star trek is that Nemesis, referenced or is that just because you know that from the years um it, it's pretty it's a pretty clear line i don't think that uh, i think that if you watch those movies and watch picard you'd be able to make that connection if they're both fresh in your mind yeah i guess the romulans are kind of relevant in picard yeah the romulans are are hugely relevant in picard yeah um but basically some you know f- 15 years ago, 14 years ago, the Romulans, uh, sort of an antagonistic race of aliens, uh, their son explode. And as Picard was trying to lead a rescue mission to help them, uh, a bunch of robots went crazy and revolted. And Hate the Federation, it's it's really happening too much. It's why I don't get a Roomba yeah. and not because I'm not rich enough to get a Roomba. But the, <laughs> the 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 revolt killed a lot of people and the Federation went like super isolationist, like super scared. And, you know, 15 years after that, Picard, he quit because he hated what happened. He hated that everyone was isolationist and he sort of went into hiding. And then well, they like they straight up banned the, the synthetics, right? Which is yeah. what the robots were called. And his. And his friend Data, the one who sacrificed himself, was a synthetic. Exactly. Right? So, so it, it was very much an affront to. If you watch the Next Generation, you have a very good sense of like Picard's moral standing. If you don't, I think this show does a good job of showing you that he's like a really pissed off old man about what happened. Yeah. Um. But then some new android lady who doesn't know she's an android finds him, and he's like, "Oh shit! You kind of you remind me of Data." Uh, yeah, I have a painting of you. Not yeah, creepy. I'll get to that shit later. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, so that kind of launches an adventure where they they unearth this conspiracy that Romulans have infiltrated the Federation. They staged the and the synth rebellion because Romulans hold a deep seated hatred of synthetic life mm-hmm. because this weird ancient message was left by this ancient species, and they found it, and they were like. Oh, damn. Robots be crazy. <laughs> now, has that always been a thing that the Romulans didn't like? No. No. So, okay. no. Yeah. So uh, it, it it's one of those things that, like, you could call it a retcon, but I think that it fits kind of nicely in what was made. It's never stated before, but, I mean, we never see it. That's right. partly they be- never say they don't hate robots. Exactly. But <laughs> yeah. it, it, Although, like, if they've always... Like in if the Romulans have always infiltrated Star Trek or or the Federation, how did yeah? Why didn't 
that come up earlier. Also, they existed in the next generation, right? So yeah, when they, they existed have... in the original series. They've been around since 1966. Sure, but I'm saying in the next generation specifically, they would have had some interactions with Data, wouldn't they? They did, and they did, yeah. Uh, so the, they were fairly limited. So the context of uh, the the only other instance of Romulans like truly infiltrating. Um, was there was a, a Vulcan ambassador who turned out to be a secret Romulan. So, like, that kind of switcheroo has been done the, before. Aren't the Vulcans and the Romulans pretty similar? They're related. The Romulans okay. are an offshoot of the Vulcans. At some point, the cultures diverged, and they sort of became their own separate cultures and species. Okay, I thought that there was some... So yeah. that's, that kind of whole thing works mostly because the Romulans were always secretive. Uh, Picard like says like it's always a game of chess with them and it, it's it's the Romulans are very schemy. I think the closest we get to look at Romulan culture is in the movie um, is in the movie Nemesis, which a lot of people didn't like and it didn't even really focus on the Romulans. It was just like set in their culture. So this really digs into Romulans by saying like they hate since um, I liked all the details of like they have they're so untrusting. They don't reveal their names. They don't have like the front doors on their houses are fake. You have to go in through the back. Like it's all which this. Is, kind of, which that's is, the fucking dumbest shit I've ever heard. It because... is, but like we, but we as humans have so many stupid traditions in that way yeah, yeah, yeah. that I was uh, given that I don't know but a lot like, about. It doesn't the actually serve that purpose, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, Rick and Morty's real fake doors thing. They could find a serious market in the Romulan colonies. <laughs> <laughs> but. But, like, I mean, whether or not I think that those are good ideas, I, I this show definitely fleshes the Romulans out, kind of just taking the idea of they're a secretive alien race and just extrapolating it. Yeah. Um, but as Picard investigates this conspiracy, he meets a lot of new friends. We get to meet some of his old shipmates and their new characters. The girl who's super important just, like, fucking dies in a scene. But, oh, good thing she's got a twin sister. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand. I did not understand that decision at all. I thought that they were going to, I thought there was going to be some reveal later that she was, like, that she wasn't killed somehow. Yeah. And they both were still alive. And then that just never happened. And I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, yeah. So, it, so, Dodge, <laughs> so why didn't we first... just have her find this one the first time? Why was, it, why did it have to be they were all built in groups of two? I don't understand that either. That, that, that's one of the things that sort of rubbed me the wrong way like the plot needed picard to like go out into space and find a person so yeah 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 and, and the thing is i think on a broad scale it works i think what it what it crucially misses is at the end of that first episode dodge the first android you know she yeah. gets she gets blown up by the romulan assassins it's, a, it's not the end of the first episode is it i guess uh she couldn't dodge the explosion <laughs> that was so <laughs> stupid i hated it <laughs> oh christ so when picard meets gerardi the doctor the synthetic doctor that worked with bruce maddox from the that episode we watched in the first episode of cgp um the, the 
Dr. Gerardi is like explaining like we did this thing where we take a neuron and then we clone it and then we use that to like extrapolate the neural matrix like fucking whatever sure you can do that with AI but then they're like but yeah they could only be made in pairs and they don't really answer why yeah, like it really yeah. would have taken what like they're already committed to kind of ridiculous techno babble it already doesn't make sense if you're really being scientific about it <laughs> it wouldn't have taken a lot more to really explain why in pairs also like later they're like one of the characters who they work with on the ship was like, oh, I've seen this girl before. Yes. And it turns out there was a third one. And then when we get to the planet, I know, yes, yes. I know. I, I and then explain. when we get later, it's explain. just like, oh, that was, and here's the pair to that one. But why do those two pairs look exactly the same? That yeah. So I, that I think I have an explanation for. Uh, but I'll, I'll circle back to that a yeah, bit. Yeah, we can, just we can to, circle Yeah, just back to get to the later, broad but... summary out of the way so we can dig into those moments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as, as he assembles this crew and they sort of unfold the conspiracy, they find, uh, there was, there's also a Borg cube that, like, that just fucking OS crashed, blue screen of death, and the Romulans were like, oh, I guess we'll mine it for parts, and they kind of go and meet up with a bunch of old friends, and they all decide, hmm, bad things are happening, and then, uh, oh, man, what, what is the most important thing out of this whole Borg cube thing? The Borg cube is cool. I think that you could have done a lot of this season without it. Uh, It was just kind of like a backdrop. But it it serves as a platform for Picard to to finally meet Soji, Daj's twin sister, who doesn't know she's an android, and be like, hey, these Romulans want to kill you and everyone like you, so let's get to your home planet and save them. And the end of the series is they get to the home planet, and a lot of dramatic allegiance shifting happens in a very short amount of time. Yeah. And then Picard sacrifices himself to save the androids. And the androids realize, oh, humans may have banned us, but maybe they don't hate us. And everyone kind of chills the fuck out. That's that's big picture. And then at the end, it turns out that Data has been running. They reconstituted Data so they could build Dodge and Soji. They reconstituted his consciousness. And as Picard dies, they scan his brain and a simulated version of Picard and Data get to have a conversation in what I think is one of the best Star Trek scenes I've scene i really thought it was a powerfully written interaction between those two characters and then picard gets loaded into a new android body which was apparently not very difficult to make look exactly like him or make it (laughs) mortal exactly like him but again thick lot very hand wavy stuff also like we're sitting here and we have to sit through like like quite a bit of like funeral stuff for Picard and all these characters like giving like yeah. eulogies to him and I'm just like at least some percentage of you do know that you're bringing him back in five minutes right and I yeah. know that because so he, I understand this narrative I will so say why I, don't we just skip to that <laughs> I knew they were going to bring Picard back I have to say there was a lot of doubt over whether or not they were going yeah. to bring Patrick Stewart back. There Man, was there there was a lot that of that would have been a tough sell for me. That's the thing. That's I was <laughs> if very they nervous decided about to that. go altered carbon with fucking uh Yeah, with Picard. yeah exactly. <laughs> Picard altered with Picard. gun hands. <laughs> gun hand Picard. I like yeah, altered Picard. Yeah, we bring uh, as fucking Anthony Mackie in and he now plays uh Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then so uh, all in all, and, it's a and series. No of, it, version of Picard will ever have a French accent. No, no, he won't. <laughs> uh, that was fun though. In the in episode five, Stardust City Rag, when they went down to pretend to be bad guys, and he was just a very hammy French 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, French that was villain. Really funny. <laughs> Some people are like it's so stupid. I'm like, there are whole episodes where he's like, he's a fake New York gangster in a holodeck, going like, yeah, I don't know nothing about this, Johnny. Like, I'm, I was so on board with that shit. <laughs> but that's that's the broad story. It's very much a story about death and about sort of like discovering the purpose of your life, how finite it may be. I guess if we dig in, let's. I, I kind of just want to talk about like what things worked and didn't. I want to. I also want to talk about these characters because there's a lot of new yeah, faces. Yeah. And I honestly like a lot of them. I yeah, I liked a lot of the the new characters. I thought that the way that they brought back some old characters was, at least for my understanding, pretty tasteful. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I, I liked the stuff with Data and his involvement and sort of uh legacy mm-hmm. impacting the series because like that was basically the big thing that was haunting Picard this whole time was still yeah. the death of yeah. data yeah no like w- as the series was or as the season was getting to the end i was actually like feeling feelings i was like yeah yeah no it, it, i think it was effective in what it was trying to do mm-hmm. yeah i think overall where the successes come i think that um where Star Trek Discovery and the Kelvin movies kind of get a lot of flack is is they can never seem to totally please people where they're either too different from Star Trek or they're too fan servicey. I think this yeah. series, both in its execution <clears throat> and in the public perception, I think it really managed to walk that line. Like the way it brought yeah. back Seven of Nine, explaining the the death of of Icheb in the most gruesome scene in the whole fucking season when yeah, they, no, the episode opens ripping his dark. eye out. Oh, oh, that was a that was a character that's that a existed character. in the show before. Yeah, in Star Trek Voyager. Damn, that's fucked. Yeah, I had that same <laughs> reaction, Jeff. Yeah, uh, for me, it was a different actor, but I recognized the prosthetic and I was like, they're mutilating Icheb? A little history. And and Seven says in the episode, Seven of Nine says, oh yeah, Icheb, he was rescued by Voyager in the Delta Quadrant, blah, blah, blah. What actually happened was they found a bunch of Borg children, children that had been assimilated. Icheb was like 16 and his parents sold him to the Borg to get the Borg to leave them the fuck alone. He had such a fucked up story. And then he only comes back in the series to be mutilated and then shot by Seven of Nine. Damn, that sucks. Like, it's a huge motivation for that character, but I was just, like, so deep in the, why? Why did yeah, you do I, that? Yeah, because, like, I thought I, I had a pretty good sense of which characters were were, were, were yeah. reoccurring. Like, I knew Seven of Nine came before, obviously, Data. Mm-hmm. Um, Maddox, I mean, mm-hmm. he was, like, the character existed before, even if yeah. we only saw him the one time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hugh, is that his name? Hugh, the yes. Borg Hugh, guy? he was in, oh, he was in a couple he was in a tremendous episode yeah yeah i was sad that they killed him yeah that was that was a bit of a bummer but it's i i felt like for a season that meditated a lot on death it's very easy for shows to get very heady about the concept of death but each time somebody died or sacrificed themselves it felt like it it did feel sort of earned i think this character this show succeeded a lot in making the character's choices and consequences feel believable yeah yeah um and i think that's one of its strengths um I don't think it always succeeded in selling the situations that it no. put the, that it put the characters in. Um, I I just 
like to me that was the biggest thing about the show for me is that it did not feel like the entire season was written out and planned at the same time it felt very much like oh they came up with the premise and then they almost came almost let different people take the the reins on each episode yeah and that made like a lot of the stuff with the that was implied by the uh, like with the ai stuff later on feel like it did not stay consistent with what they had established early on Mm -hmm. like it felt like you know oh this was a mystery that we set up in season one and here we are in season three finally addressing it and a lot of the details don't line up because things have changed but it's like no that was like four episodes ago like yeah yeah you get kind of that (laughs) long-term exhaustion that you see in in, in bigger shows um yeah i think if if i had to break this up i know that they had a way to break it up in production but if i would break this up the first three episodes are considered the pilot where you see Picard yeah. on Earth and his, <clears throat> oh my God, his Irish Romulan housekeepers. There's, I yeah. love those characters so much. They're so work. great. Um, but yeah, you had those first three episodes and then the two after you have, they felt like kind of standalone adventures where you meet Elnor, you meet Seven. Mm-hmm. And then the next three episodes are very, they feel like like a tight story. You're, you know, all the characters sort of come together. You meet Riker and Troy and they put together the conspiracy and you're like, this show's going somewhere. And then in the last two episodes, they kind of drop the ball on that yeah, they a just little bit. Yeah, diffuse yeah, the whole pace, situation. Yeah, like <clears throat> the problem was the pacing was kind of off. Like, yeah, like there were all these moments and I've said this before, uh, where, like, you're super compelled with, like, the story of Picard and his, like, makeshift crew, and then they'll cut to the Borg ship with, uh, with, uh... Soji. Uh, Soji and Narek. And Eric? Narek. The creepy Romulan... There we go, Narek, yeah. The creepy Uh, Romulan boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, like, it'll cut to Soji and Narek, and they'll just, like, be, uh, uh, be vague and just repeat stuff (laughs) they've already said, and... Yeah. So do you know your purpose to be vague and distracting? Exactly. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was the. I I feel like a lot of the sins of this season do boil down to pacing issues. I I feel especially burned because some of those episodes did such a good job of it. I think episode eight is when they all put the conspiracy together and they all figure it out. And that feels so cool to see the, yeah. like the team and crew yeah. come together. And then in the next episode, they're all split up playing soccer with the robots. And it just, it doesn't, also, it, it feels clunky. Like, I don't know, it, it, it makes some some suppositions early on that it doesn't follow through with and then later makes like consequences of those no longer make sense, right? Like they've got in Starfleet, they've got the, uh, the Romulan person who's like high up yeah and and she goes and intercepts Girardi and basically like shows her like oh here is the Romulan you know this is this like is why what we the prophecy hate, yeah, is going this to is this is why them. we hate the robots and Girardi is so sure that she's right about that that she fucking kills Maddox right and like and flips on them and then they and then later they're just like oh they like they're super paranoid about robots and i'm like then why the fuck was that enough to convince gerardi to kill her lover yeah like (laughs) that was that does not stay consistent with like i feel like and and the connections to data i feel like got a little bit more muted as it went along too because i thought that the implication was like literally that that data still existed in some form and created soji and uh and dodge right but then later it's just like oh yeah no we made this entire civilization of like i then why were they specifically important 
I don't understand that. Yes, I think the only reason that Dodge and Soji were important is one because they were not made of like rubber and metal. They were made Were the rest of them? Yeah, yeah. I think oh, they don't say okay. it, they don't say it explicitly, but all the other androids that you meet on Capelius, they are gold-skinned, yellow-eyed like Data, where Dodge and Soji pass for human. Yeah. And and I think and this this I think speaks to your complaint and to a few others that I have where it's an instance of the show showing and not telling showing you this is what these androids are but there are some complicated mechanics underneath that it's not explaining yeah and it's like they expect it to be visually intuitive but maybe it's not because because your point about like how could showing Gerardi a vision of this horrible robot apocalypse convince her to kill Bruce Maddox well historically mind melds transfer emotional context as well mm. so if it drove the Vulcan insane it would have driven it drove and driven Gerardi insane but we don't get that here and there's no acknowledgement of that it's just kind of like let's just show her be overwhelmed when it would maybe have been more affected to say effective to say like yeah yeah, no, Gerardi, you should see a therapist now. This is very bad yeah. what has been done to you. I And a lot of it, like a lot of, I think, again, in those last two episodes, and it, this may have all stemmed from the pacing, mm -hmm. but like a lot of the particular things that bothered me is just like, the character's decisions just straight up stopped making any sense at yeah. all. Like, one of the other androids got killed, and then suddenly, like, all the other androids and Soji are now on board with, like, bringing in this, like, yeah. horrific deity that's going to, uh, like, kill the entire world. It's just like, whoa, calm there. Uh, kill the entire, all organic life in the universe. Yeah, yeah all organic life. I was like, calm down. Yeah. One person in your society died, and if we're supposed to believe that you are a moral character at all, I should not at all be worried about whether or not you want to eradicate all organic life. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> and well, it's like, I mean, yeah. I, mean the, no, I think that's understand standable in this because they they say it themselves that like the and the synthetic lives are all just kind of like children and they don't fully See, grasp i uh, right yeah, i understand that for the other ones i don't understand that for soji who is believed that she's a human and believed that she lived a whole life with experiences like she mm. would know better not to and if she doesn't then frankly yeah. fuck her I like, mean, like <laughs> a, a couple episodes earlier like troy uh did uh, i think a really great job of digging into like yeah she doesn't understand her reality or how to trust it because she thought yeah. she was one thing and now she has no clue like she lost her tether but yeah i jeff i think i agree with you that like having sort of an identity crisis and Does totally inverting yeah. your understanding <laughs> yeah. of m moral concepts I feel like those are a bit different. Maybe that's naive of me because I've never had quite an identity crisis like that. I don't know. <laughs> they, I just, they even could have made arguments that, like, frankly, they didn't know what bringing in those gods would do, right? Yeah. But they didn't frame it that way. They framed it basically as everyone is completely under the understand, yeah. like, under the you know knowledge that if these guys come in, all, all organic life is going to die. Yeah. Like, and we don't know that that would have been the case, but that like th all the characters had an understanding of that yeah. and they so that that irritated me a lot um uh, but otherwise i don't know like we keep mentioning that they brought back Riker and troy i thought that that was done really tasty yeah, yeah. No, that i was, enjoyed their stuff a lot that was just a really good episode where we mm -hmm. just 
get to understand the characters really well. Yeah. Both new and, and old, yeah. Hey, man, you know that you're doing nostalgia right if I'm feeling nostalgic about these characters from a show that I didn't watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, admittedly, I'm super, like, I'm into this nostalgia type stuff, so whenever there's a show that's, like, a redo of something that's done before, even if it's not something I'm personally connected to, I kind of, like, throughout the process do a lot of research because, yeah. like, it keeping some, it, like, it respecting the previous source material, I think, is something that's, like, really important to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, in most of the decisions that they made in Picard, that was done pretty well. Yeah. Like, without it being too much about that and too much fan service, like you're talking about, it definitely was respectful of yeah. like, what came before. Especially because I, I think, so in Star Trek Nemesis, the movie starts and it's like, Riker, you're going to be a captain on the Titan. And we never see him on that ship. Mm-hmm. So everyone was like, oh, bring back Riker. Bring back the Titan. We want to see it. And even early in the show, uh, one of his Romulan housemates tells Picard, like, bring back Riker, LaForge, Worf. And Picard's like, this is a bad idea. And I feel like that was the showrunner saying, no, that's a bad idea. Yeah. But no, when they that, did... was, that was a really tasteful way to do well, to answer that was... question, too, because yeah. I understand them wanting to write a new story with new characters. And it was nice in universe to have someone be like, why don't you bring back all these people that are super loyal to you? And Picard is basically like, they'll put their lives on the line for me, and I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, that makes total fucking yeah, sense. I understand that perfectly. Yeah, no, it is a very elegant answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a, a lot, it's it's so, it, it, it's, a, it's a definitely a point of like dissonance for me how some of these character decisions really feel so natural and how mm-hmm. when you get to those last two episodes especially some of them feel so unnatural yeah man it almost felt like the last two episodes shifted into like a cw show or something Kinda. like to one yeah. of the arrow so shows. I, I just finished my rewatch of the show because i wanted to uh sort of brush up i just rewatched those last two episodes right before we got on mic here when i first watched them basically what i told myself was i really like the first eight episodes i think they're a mm-hmm. very good crescendo and then I don't like one and a half episodes, but I love the last chunk of the last episode. Yeah. And what? Mm-hmm. And today, having had some time to really think about the show thematically, I, I I think Chowder, you you sort of said it right. Pacing. I think that the decisions would have made sense if like they had more room to breathe. Because in the span of five minutes, yeah. you know, they kill a, a a robot and Sutra, the other Gold Dodge person, like she convinces all the robots to join her rebellion right after yeah, she- right after fucking uh, Dr. Soong says they're too dumb to understand what you're saying Picard and then they're like but you can understand this. and then he also is on board for killing yeah. all organic life too and it's just like okay and all that <laughs> switching back and forth it's like that story can work I feel like you either need to add an episode or you need yeah. to really trim out how many flips are happening and streamline it yeah. I think if you take the character of Sutra the evil dodge twin there i think if you take sutra out those last two could really come together in a much more what was the other one's name her twin was it comma (laughs) (laughs) it was um jana jana was the one that uh captain rio saw killed far enough away to not make that joke (laughs) yes yes it is the well no the jana sutra sounds almost like it doesn't it yeah that's what i'm saying okay um, said not far enough away to not make the trip. So I don't know. So like that's so I uh, and Jeff to your point of like being able to respect things that came before. There's a lot of bad Star Trek out there. 
and I th- I think the Star Trek fandom <laughs> maybe is... they were just making it bad to to appeal to the nostalgia of old bad Star Trek episodes. Well, that's the thing; those episodes, those last two episodes, felt very next generation in sort of all the wrong ways. You have a small, <laughs> yeah. like low budget set of you know attractive people in skimpy outfits in the middle of mm-hmm. paradise and very strange stakes that are hard to understand that felt like and they're all sheep yeah exactly so like in some ways i think it did but it, it's uh, i i think that after really thinking about the show and then going back and revisiting it and understanding sort of the thematic thrust of like mortality mm-hmm. i was able to watch these last two episodes and for all that crappy cw switcheroo stuff like that just kind of fell out of my mind and it was a lot easier for me to look at like Dude, when the Borg yeah. cube came through that portal, that was like a fucking cool ass scene yeah, in that no, episode. No, no, like make no mistake, the good far outweighs any bad in yeah. this show. It, yeah, like, it, mm-hmm. like, and it, I, I do hope that they're setting up something interesting with like the uh, with like the AI weird gods or whatever. So like, if this was a standalone thing, I would have been extremely disappointed with how it wrapped up. But I'm like, I'm right now. I'm kind of taking the perspective of like. I'll wait to see how it goes. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Really, I'm I'm kind of the other way. Like, if it had ended at that first season, I actually would have been pretty uh, satisfied. Like, it felt like a complete story, you know. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it was nice that they didn't end it on a cliffhanger the way Star Trek Discovery currently does. And Star Trek Discovery is much more action adventure. This is much more character driven. Yeah. But um, but yet yeah, no chatter. I agree with you. I think that if you watch this whole thing. And like all of Star Trek, like, accept that some of it is not great. And Star Trek fans generally, I think, Star Wars fans are not good at accepting that Star Wars stuff is bad. There's usually a lot of a lot of pain around those acceptances, and Star Trek people are like, "Well, you're you're speaking you're speaking from the perspective of like the people we know." I'm I'm speaking from the, the perspective <laughs> of someone that likes the Last Jedi and can't say it because people will yeah. murder me. Um, but like, it's just not very good. I hate to tell you. The, the 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 difference is people in Star Trek will say like, yeah, Star Trek Five happened. Just you know, you don't have to watch it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and and I think that having that attitude really helped me enjoy these last two episodes a lot more. Cause I mean, yeah, I, I if you if you understand like, oh, Picard's not really dead. Yeah, he's gonna come back. Then the scenes of everyone yeah. crying might seem cheap, but the performances are and compelling. Heartrending, yeah. Yeah, I I guess it's more like, you know, I don't mind when, when series and stuff have like lulls or like periods that it's just like, oh that's stupid, mm-hmm. right? But it irritates me when they're when they're making a big deal out of this coming back and this mm. is its first season yeah. and the season can't even stick the whole thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's like because it's like I, I, I like I far prefer shows that are written with like a sort of like season by season narrative to them. So like, and it seemed like, oh, it's only 10 episodes. You know, surely this must have been all like plotted out at the same time. And then like they do the dialogue and stuff afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. But it did not feel like that. Like it felt like that in the first few episodes. I was like, oh, okay, this is a story that is going somewhere. And then when we got to the end, it was just like, how did we get here? Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah, no, So that, that, that's my complaint about it. But I think I share that complaint. Uh, I, I definitely yeah. do. But uh, to Chatter's point, I also, I, I do think the good outweighs the bad. It's just, it stinks. Oh, for sure. It stinks that the bad 
was so backloaded. Like if it like shows that get a rough mm-hmm. start, I feel like people are like, okay, it's the pilot. Let's give it a second. Yeah. But when it happens in a finale, like that's the taste that's left in your mouth. Right. Like even if it were sort of in the middle, there were a few things that didn't make sense. They had a filler episode here or there yeah. that had kind of a dumb plot. That's one thing. But like to it, it kind of makes it so like, oh, all the stuff that was interesting about the first few episodes that like the stuff that it's leading up to kind of doesn't really get the conclusion that you'd want yeah. it to because they stop exploring I think in my opinion the things that were interesting about the AI stuff and just yeah. you know minimized it to like oh here's another crazy species that's about to kill all humanity because they don't know any better and it's just like okay yeah it, yeah I, I think the show like if that if that if it's that easy to convince the robots to kill like all organic life then I kind of agree with the Federation <laughs> on this one <laughs> like maybe it was probably the right call I guess I, something else I want to ask because I, I I think we've sort of gotten into what doesn't work about the plot and the structure of the show. Yeah. How do you guys ha- how do you guys feel about like the new characters? Like, did any of them stand out as enjoyable or bad? I because I absolutely loved. Uh, I can't remember his name, and truthfully, I don't even give a shit about him. But the guy with all the AI on the ship or all the holograms on the oh, ship. Oh yeah, <laughs> Captain Rios and all his uh, Rios. Yeah. yeah. I, I just love like all holograms. of his all of his holograms were so funny. <laughs> like, they were they were fantastic. And like each one had a different accent, which is fun. And he didn't nail all the accents, but it was so fun to watch him just yeah. like yeah. dress up as, as I, different. I do, people. however, I, I really like think- I really like Rios. He's a he's a fun character, a good contrast to the others. I, I, I kind of feel like uh, it's a weird coincidence that he too is just related to the conspiracy that's going on. Like, cause yeah, cause, cause like, you know, when Picard hired him, he was just recommended to Picard or because he's a good, a good pilot. pilot. Not, yeah. They didn't know about the conspiracy at the time, but, but that's not really a big deal yeah. because yeah, like, but it also again, didn't compa- like was totally unnecessary. Like it didn't need to swing. I don't think it needed to swing back that way for it to, you know, I don't think yeah, it but, had to, but, but again, not a big deal. Cause again, yeah, compelling yeah. character, who just bounces off the cast really well. Uh, I, I I really like uh ah crap what's his name the 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 Romulan dude who like Elnor was good with El- Elnor. Elnor yeah how the no. writers were finally like well eh, let's just make a space elf <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I and he Elnor was a lot. I don't know he's really funny yeah. He, he did not get nearly enough to do. That is like a writer's dream to have a character who speaks exactly what he wants without emotional intervention. Yeah. And like he and every time he does it, it's so good. Like after Girati and Rio sleep together, he's like, the tension between you makes me really uncomfortable. And it's like, that's, like, that's great. Those, it works so well. It cuts through the bullshit of the show so nicely. Uh, yeah. W- one thing that did bug me about him, and this, I don't know if you guys picked up on this. In episode four, when they introduce Elnor, Picard knew him as a little kid. Mm-hmm. And then it shows him as, you know, an adult Romulan in his 20s. Sure. As an adult Romulan, he has an Australian accent. As a kid, he has an American accent. I understand that we're talking about alien cultures and everything. Did he have an Australian accent? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Evan Evagoria. Uh, he's, I believe, he's Australian. Either that or New Zealander. Huh. But um, he has an Australian accent. And as a kid, he's just like, "Hey, Picard, what are you doing back?" And as an adult, he's like, "Can I go with you?" 
And I'm just like, what? <laughs> what? I guess that's kind of strange. He, yeah, I don't in know, the, the time between his childhood and when he meets Picard again, he spent time in Romulan, Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Romulan, Australia. That's, that was the colony. That's exactly it. They were evacuating Romulus to a prison colony. It's Romulan, Australia. That uh, This is hugely tangential, but that reminds me of... Um, some a couple Transformers series that mm-hmm. like one led into the other. Uh, they replaced the voice actor of a main character with a guy who was like Australian, mm-hmm. right? And and like in the um, the meta text for the show, they're like, oh yeah, he went and spent some time on Nebulos, a, an alien planet, and developed a Nebulosan accent. <laughs> it's like he's Australian. <laughs> we can tell that. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually have been watching Transformers Beast Wars like I'm, yeah, I'm three episodes in. My god, that is some great A cheese right there. <laughs> it's so funny. We, Jeff uh. was just telling me about that before you woke up from your voodoo nap. He was saying that it's like it's such a good campy show. Uh, that's that's a fucking topic for another day. I'm gonna stop myself from going off about Beast Wars, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, like I, I've been spending a lot of time sort of airing my my grievances about you know the particular parts of the show, but like that you know the things that it did do well, I did really enjoy. I liked the character, like the characters' interactions with each other. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really a character in the main cast that I found to be like you know unlikable. I thought that they were all pretty likable. Mm-hmm. I liked Rafi. I liked uh, yeah. uh what's her name, Girardi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though I I kind of called her turning to the dark side because yeah. she was just too fucking friendly before that. I'm just like, yeah, you're not going to get out of this unscathed, are you? <laughs> I, I I feel like I don't know if I like picked this up from one of the, like the commentary th- sort of things I read or listened to on it. But like Jurati is at the end of this season, she's just on the ship with them. She did not yeah. turn herself in at Deep Space 12. Nope. From <laughs> the murder not. of Bruce Maddox. And I'm like, I understand it as, and I want, I really need you guys to check me on this because this is me getting just too deep in my own head. I understand it as there was a compelling enough case to prove that she was forced into it by Commodore O, given the sort of emotional influence of a mind meld. Am I pulling yeah. that out of my ass, or is there any indication of that in the show? Because I a don't know. Bit. I don't see any indication of that okay, in the cool. show. Okay, Then that, okay. I just, because, like, <laughs> that, that, that was baffling to me because I'm like, I don't even think they needed to have her do that, right? Like, they just needed to kill Maddox in some way. And that was literally the only impactful thing that her betrayal did. Because she flipped, like, 30 minutes later and was just like, oh, yep, not gonna murder people anymore. Yeah, Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, that was like your boyfriend. Yeah. So like, if it was that easy to flip you, then you should not have done that in the first place. It's a testament <laughs> to the performance of Allison Pill as that character yeah. that like she remains compelling throughout it because yeah, that whiplash should break it. Uh, Jeff, you recently watched season two of Star Trek Discovery. There's kind of a weird mm-hmm. parallel there where there's a character named Arium. She's like this cyborg and she's on the ship, yeah. but you never know anything about her yeah and then there's an episode where they introduce everything about her give her a tragic backstory and then kill her off and like it is effective it is an effective episode but at the end of it you kind of think well why didn't they tell us anything about her before this episode like why did they wait till now and with Gerardi, i feel like it's the same thing like we didn't know she was dating bruce maddox until the episode that she kills him yeah like in a show Um. that's setting up these stakes no, I, I think we were we were shown it 
a few times before that. But uh, and I think like it was pretty heavily implied even before that, that, you know, they had a thing going on. Mm. Are you sure it's the episode? That, it's definitely like, like the, the episode few... where she's watching that video, that home video of them together. Mm-hmm. That is episode five, Stardust City Rag, where huh. he dies at the end. But I mean, gotcha. like, but I mean, Chatter, I didn't even consider the hints beforehand. I also didn't think that she was going to betray him. So I may have just been blinded by the story itself. Mm. But um, yeah, chatter like what? What do you? What made you think that Gerardi's connection to Maddox was extra professional? Uh, narrative conventions. <laughs> Nar- yeah. Narrative conventions, sure, but also just like the performance of the actress and just the way she behaved when uh talking about Maddox. It's like it, I I really can't put my finger on it. it mm-hmm. Just. It, the performance uh, lends itself to like this is uh, there's more to it than just professional. Okay. So so yeah, again, I guess back to how the actress actress like manages to make the character work when it probably shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah. This I think that uh, if the, they're changing the showrunner in the next season because Michael Shabon, the guy who show ran this season, he has another show coming out based on one of his books. So mm-hmm. uh, so they're changing the showrunners, though he will still be a writer. Um, I'm wondering, I don't know. I feel like they lucked out with this cast because even if they kind of make a messy season two, I still feel like I'd just like to watch this group of people, you know, pretend just, to just be, be astronauts yeah. together. Yeah. 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 For all the problems in the story, I still like them. I still like watching them together. And I like watching Picard not be so self-righteous and everyone call him old all the time. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Something I really respect about the series is how anti-nostalgia it is. Like, sure, it has its nostalgic moments, but ultimately it tries to be very defiative of that legacy, you know? Like, uh, the Federation is kind of fucking douchey and imperialistic and uh, yeah. just, you know, all the problems of empires. Yeah, and... and, and, and Sorry, And, like, I kind of wish they committed to that more. Like, you mm-hmm. know, there's that moment at the end where... Riker comes in with the cavalry and, you know, it's like, ha, ah, the Empire's turned itself around, or the the Federation has turned itself around, or yeah. whatever, and it's like, I kind of wish they committed more to the, uh, committed like, more, yeah. Uh, I would like it if there were, like, more political issues and, and fallout from this than just, like, we fixed yeah. the law. Ugh. Yeah. Law doesn't fix that easily, yeah. unfortunately. The what's her face, the one of the people in charge of the Federation gave Picard so much shit in like the earlier episode when he just like waltzed in and yeah. expected to be like given his shit back. That, She's like, yeah. Fuck you, you've been retired for like and then and then the last episode is Riker is just like, Oh yeah, I went and did that exact same thing and it went well for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually that that scene in the beginning of his episode two where Picard is like he I he, it felt like him laying out the fan theories that all the TNG fans were thinking like hey listen I need a ship I need a secret crew and if you want I'll just be demoted to captain so you can call me Captain Picard again does that sound good and then she and then <laughs> she plays the part of the producers saying fuck you no that's not that doesn't make yeah. sense fuck that <laughs> this is insanity. <laughs> Um, and I think that that is the defiance of nostalgia, like the, like the show the peak, like, yes, we understand what might feel right, but here's what makes more sense. 
Um, but I, yeah, no, I, I also, I guess I, I agree. Even, I would like to see more consequences of this. Maybe yeah. we'll yeah. see that in season two. I don't, I don't think that it was totally defiant of nostalgia. I'd say it was more defiant of fan service. Yeah. Cause yeah. I'm generally more positive on nostalgia and I, I like, I, I think that it definitely has its place and when it's done right, it should be nostalgia without becoming fan service because yeah. fan service i think is when we get start to get into dangerous waters but nostalgia i think is great mm-hmm. you know like i i think that nostalgia for me is more about like what i was talking earlier about like being able to pay respect to mm-hmm. your old stories but where it starts pushing to fan service is where you stop sort of writing your own new stories and you yeah. start making everything about the past yeah and i think Rise that it, it, it did that very well <laughs> where it was nostalgic without being fan service yeah i don't know like we we like the current like media landscape is super obsessed with nostalgia if it's not like a mm-hmm. revival of some old property it's like uh, a thing that's meant to remind you of the past like uh stranger yeah. things but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah but stranger things is so good for that like stranger things is an example of something that like takes that nostalgia and really fucking runs with it and also makes yeah, it a yeah. new story no don't get me wrong it's good i just uh, i'm saying there's a lot of it going around and i guess yeah. anything that kind of pushes back against that i appreciate even if i may not immediately appreciate it like it might be a little rambly you can cut it out if you want to but like final the final fantasy 7 remake spoilers for final fantasy 7 remake that is game that like seems like a super faithful remake of the original uh, game or original first part of the game until like right at the last hour where it just goes off the fucking rails and meta and like Mm. does some ambitious stuff and at first i was like kind of furious like how dare they make changes (laughs) and promise to make more changes later on in parts in parts two and three and whatever but but like as i sat down with it it's like i can re i have the opportunity to re-experience final fantasy 7 new again like yeah i don't know what's gonna <laughs> happen next cool. and that's kind of exciting yeah it, yeah, it but... means i won't get to see my favorite scenes from final from the original final fantasy 7 in, in in like the hd glow up but it also means final fantasy 7 is new again which is nice sure but like i don't even know if that's necessarily like an anti like i don't know i guess like I, I, i'm sort of bitter on things that are that take a a strictly anti-nostalgia stance rather than just like ignoring it entirely and doing you know like doing things like i think i i yeah. it, it irritates me when things are too specifically anti-nostalgia because then that's basically like trying to just spit in people's faces whereas like if it's just if it just doesn't pander to nostalgia that i don't feel like is anti-nostalgic i think that's just like yeah i i I I think (laughs) i think the way to to critique that stuff and this might just be my opinion i think you need to think of it as though like you would think anything else the 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 appeal to antiquity the logical fallacy that just because it came before means it's good and I mean, mm-hmm. one of the reasons I like The Last Jedi, like Picard, it has some structural problems, it has some plot problems and some things that don't always add up. But like, people say that it spits in the face of, of Star Wars, but it's the movie that brought back the Yoda puppet. So yeah. like, it's, it's and, it, and it, also- it, you can you can move forward by looking at what came before and not saying it came before, therefore it's good. You say it came before, what's good about it? And carry those things with you. Yeah, and, and also like Last Jedi, it's the movie where the villain is like, kill the past if you have to. And the And then he doesn't. <laughs> and, and then and then like the heroes 
you know, and then like the heroes take the lessons of the past and bring it forward without, uh, bring it forward in their own way. It's, it's yeah, very much but a- like, not really. Okay. Like the whole thing with the last Jedi is that it's far too concerned with what came before yes. at all. It's my thing with like the previous It's like, cause it's trying so hard to do a little flipperoo and be like, Oh no, being a Jedi really is all just about floating rocks. And it's just like, or you could just tell the story without doing that. But, you know, like, it doesn't... So, so my point is not to say that The Last Jedi is an unmitigated success. It's got problems. I like it more than some people. Yeah. But I think that the 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 one thing that I that I really don't like that's criticized about it is that, that people think that it is spitting in the face of what came before by departing no, I, from it. And I don't think that's necessarily true of the movie. I think that the movie that it's directly spitting on is The Force Awakens. I didn't which, even get that. I, I, I didn't feel that way at all. To me, to me, like, the reason that I don't like The Last Jedi... I also didn't like Force Awakens, so... I didn't either, really. I mean, but, like, I... I so the, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the, the condensed version of my little spiel <laughs> of all three of those movies is that they felt hugely reactionary to what came before. Yeah. The Force Awakens came out, and it felt like it was just a straight-up, like, prettier redo of A New Hope, right? Like, they took the same story conventions, they did them over again, they basically, like, you know, subbed in characters for different characters. It followed a lot of the same conventions. It was, of course, prettier, but it didn't do anything new. At the time, I watched that movie, and I'm like, I'm okay with that because I'm I'm waiting to see how the story evolves from that point. I'm now, in retrospect, not okay with that because it didn't really evolve it, from it that point. It was just a... The, the Last Jedi... The, there, was, there was not an overarching plan. Right, exactly. The Last Jedi came out... And it was hugely reactionary to it. It, it felt like Ryan Johnson being ha, like basically airing out those complaints of The Force Awakens and being like, "Oh, this was way too much of remake." Now I'm gonna fucking flip everything over. All these things that we are implying about Ray's well, past. Well, he wrote he he wrote the movie before it was released. Before Force Awakens was released, it was the script was done before Seven was finished. That, I mean, God, that raises other problems for me, because, like, he must have had some awareness of what came before to write about he did. it, right? He, he did. He saw the script, but he did not see the movie. Sure, but it, it then maybe, it, to me, it felt like a reaction to the script. But, like, it felt like we were saying, like, oh, this was way too fanservice-y. Let's flip it on its head and make everything, like, super subversive in ways that are just there for the sake of being subversive, yep. not actually serving the narrative. And then when uh, Rise of Skywalker came out, it felt like... Like J.J. Abrams was being like angrily, you know, like doing having like a slap fight with Ryan Johnson <laughs> and being like, oh, you went and ruined all the things that I was setting up in the first story. Now let's flip it all back around. Nope. Fuck you. Ray actually is related to someone who came before. And also this person is back. And also it, it's yeah. just like it felt like a slap fight it between did. the yeah, two of yeah. them. When it's just like, I, I, I think- wanted the. I think that when, when that whole thing wrapped up, it felt it decohesive, uh, incoherent uh, for a lot of reasons. But I think that the reason I mentioned The Last Jedi isn't to spit on that mess of a trilogy, which I do yeah. think is a mess. But yeah. I, I think it's to say that, like, even though there were some swings and misses there, what I think Picard did better than those those movies was look at what came before not be reactionary yeah. and not take it all as gospel. It looked at it and yes. said, here are the things that work. It looked at Nemesis, the movie that like most people say like that's the worst. A lot of people think it's the worst Star Trek movie. And they hard committed to that's how Data died. The song he sang in the beginning, we're going to bring that back multiple times. 
but we're not going to live in the movie. We're going to live in a new story. And I think Star Wars has failed at that for a long time. Yeah. And I think that for all the failings of this show, to Chatter's point, I think that's what it does well. To your point, Jeff, when you see Riker and Troy, it doesn't feel like they're revisiting old times. It feels like characters that need to be there. But it's nice. It's, yeah. it's nice that they were there before. Yeah, it's like characters that have like aged and changed catching up with each other. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. And just to just to button up my thing with with Star Wars, right? Is like I don't think I you said relevant. it was going to be short, Jeff. <laughs> Listen, man, um, I don't think that the Last Jedi was spitting on like the original Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. I think that it was spitting on the Force Awakens, which doesn't bother me because I think the Force Awakens is so great. It bothers me because the movie was spitting on anything as part of its main conceit. You know, like it, 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 and this is where it ties back to Picard is like, I think that like, that's the right thing to do is that like, it wasn't reactionary to what came before. It acknowledged what came before. And it's like a lot of the same ways, like, and tying this back into Star Wars too, is like, this is a lot of what I think is good about like the Clone Wars series in that, like it acknowledges the events of the prequels and adds new context to make those things feel like they had a bit more of a place, even though we all know that those were terrible movies. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And, and Picard feels like it kind of does that too right like it takes moments that maybe fell a little bit flat in nemesis i can't say because i haven't seen it but like i know that like people didn't like that movie very much it but it takes a lot of those events and it it recontextualizes them in a way that makes it makes it feel like it got the maybe the ending that it deserved to Uh, that's exactly how i feel about it the death of data and nemesis is kind of like a it's, a, it's like a shock moment. Yeah. And in here, it's like a 15-minute soliloquy that feels earned and intelligent and builds on the themes of the show. Right. Like it- and for all, for, all its fe- for all its failings and for all the problems I had with its structure, that last, like, 20 minutes to me, it hit so hard. And I really liked it. Right, because like it basically took what came before and ran with it, yep. and then told it told a new story that worked with those same things. Whereas like in Star Wars, those three movies did not take what came before. Like Last Jedi did not take what was established in Force Awakens. It took seeds of it and then like basically did a bunch of flipperoos, yep. which is I think why people had such a problem with it being so like quote unquote subversive. Yep. But that, that can be the that can be the last <laughs> fucking note I leave on Star Wars. Anyway, it's just something that I've been wanting to run into about for right, a long Chatter, time. Now that my slap fight with Jeff is over, do you have anything you'd like to add before we move on? <laughs> uh, just that I do appreciate when uh, they they can make. S- or I do appreciate when like uh, storytellers can make an old thing feel new, and they made Star Trek Picard feel new. It doesn't. It it, it like I'm not wa- just watching Next Generation again. I'm watching Star Trek Picard, and it feels like a new thing that I don't know what's gonna come next, and that's exciting. Very cool. I mean, we've been chatting on this for an hour. Just uh, um, Jeff, you are in charge yeah. here. Uh, I was. You... I was just about to move us yeah, over. Yeah, to... I'm. I'm willing to hand my summary reins back to to you, my friend. I'm ready to move on to the ratings, unless one, any of you have something else you want to toss in at the end. I think but... I'm good. I mean, I could go on go on a rant about like Final Fantasy VII if. <laughs> If y'all are fine with that. <laughs> that feel. I am not final <laughs> fantasy with that. Um, Save that uh, one for another day. 
That's what you get for your dodge the explosion joke, you monster. <laughs> All right. I think that's just about going to... Uh, nope, that's the outcome. <laughs> not the ratings. <laughs> that's podcast over. All right. Thank you guys for a very uh, nostalgic but not fan service episode <laughs> to maybe a little bit our first episode of the Common Geeking Program, which was hugely related to data. Yeah, that was kind, uh, of, a, that was kind of a slam dunk that the first episode we did was like the episode that kind of spawned yeah that really yeah. spawned a yeah, lot thank of this god show. i had any any knowledge of that character although i guess from my last scene scene with maddox he was a huge asshole so i only know from you that like they contextualize him later as kind of like having a yeah. behind there the scenes one, character there was group. one episode where data is like he's writing letters to maddox like they're buddies mm-hmm. that's it it's the episode you saw oh, it's okay. that line and then this show that's i thought it was like is. a reoccurring nope. i thought the letters to him was like a reoccurring it was thing, one but, episode okay. in season four that was the episode with the undercover romulan lady who poses a vulcan so there you go Fun fact, Data's Day. I think it was season four, episode six. Oh, oh yeah. Wait, that she was a she was a character who was. Well, they, no, there 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 is precedent for Commodore O in Picard. Uh, there uh, was uh, a okay. lady who said she was a Vulcan, but she was a Romulan then. So gotcha, that, gotcha, so that's gotcha. happened before. Not literally the same. Not li- I I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> that would be disappointing anyway. and undermined all the things we just said about this show. Yeah. <laughs> We are going to move forward to the ratings section where each of us is going to rate the topic on a scale from hmm, one to ten. I'm going to need some help with this one. Uh, fractal neurons, um, Borg cubes, um, orchids. One out of those fucking one out of ten synthetic iterations of the same actor. <laughs> <laughs> one out of ten de aging Brent Spiner, but he still doesn't quite look the same. Right, like if they wanted to make the other ones that looked like her could they just made all of the females or all of the all oh of yeah that point I forgot, to, I, I forgot to get back to that yeah <laughs> they based soji dodges sutras jana's face on the, the painting. painting so i think that jana and sutra were the first ones and then when it came time to make the flesh and blood like the cellular androids mm-hmm. Then they revisited that face design. That is totally my assumption. The show does not yeah, that is give you the tools fan-in. to get there. Yeah. <laughs> like the only the only reason that that existed was so that Rios could recognize her. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm okay with that. That fucking one to ten one to ten iterations of the same actress, unless you can come up with this. That's like a mouthful, but it, you know, it's, um, it's funny. I, don't, I feel like there are a lot of objects in here that we could do. Um, acid spit tooth. I like I like that Romulan. <laughs> From that one episode? Yeah, the, when he chomps down on his, the cyanide acid tooth. I don't know. I feel like that doesn't thematically fit. I'm coming up blank, ironically. Chowder, do you have any suggestions? Otherwise, we're sticking with iterations of Soji. <laughs> uh, one out of ten people with beef with Picard from his past. <laughs> I like that actually. <laughs> Who all then ten minutes later loves yes, him yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you you pick which one of those works best for you. But Colin, how do you how do you feel about Picard as a whole? So, you biased little motherfucker. Uh, well, on a scale of one to ten, <laughs> I I decided because there are ten episodes in this season. Um, I decided that I was going to approach it by rating it like, did I like each episode? 
So if I like all 10 episodes all the way, it's a 10 out of 10. Um, I think before my rewatch- oh, I, Okay, I thought you were about to go into a one out of 10 rating for each of the no, 10 episodes. And no, I was like, Jesus no, Christ. No, keep it simpler than that. If I like each episode is a point, And if I like all 10 episodes, it's 10 out of 10. I think before okay, okay. I went into this, I was gonna be at like an eight or an 8.5 because I did not like episode nine and I did not like half of episode 10. And episode four didn't really do it for me either. So I was kind of like half on that. But rewatching it, I think I enjoyed, I, I did, Jeff, exactly what you said. I was able to like pick up on the things that I liked and then not worry so much about the things that I didn't. And I and I and I I was checking the time on the last two episodes to figure out like, okay, at what point in episode nine did I start to not <laughs> like it? And the answer this is, is more than anyone has ever thought about a rating of a single topic. Well, no. On this well, the thing is, I I knew that I wasn't gonna like nine and ten. So as I was watching it, I was like, I'm gonna figure out why exactly I don't like these things. And the truth is, yeah. like, episode nine is a 45 minute episode. It was around ep minute 37 that I was like, this feels like bullshit. It's when they started doing all the CW loyalty switcheroos. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh wow, I guess I like that a lot more than I thought I did. And I kind of had the same experience with 10 where it's like the shit on the colony was annoying but I like everything else. So I like, if you take the parts of those episodes that I don't like, I like nine out of 10 episodes of this show. Um, I didn't expect the rewatch. I thought the rewatch would make me hate them more. I thought that I would like go through it, see the strengths of the season building and then hate how it fell apart. But the truth is mm -hmm. I was kind of able to say like, eh, it didn't stick the landing perfectly. Oh, well, I liked a lot of it. So it's, it's more than I thought. I thought I was going to give it an eight. I'm giving it a nine out of 10. Nine out of 10 iterations okay. of Soji Jean. Sutra, uh, uh, Dodge, Dodge Isibriones. That's the actress. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think you can uh, kind of see my feelings for the show if you just listen to the episode. So, I guess go back and listen to that episode. But the quick and dirt, <laughs> the quick, the quick of it is, I like the characters. I like that they managed to make Star Trek: Next Generation feel new again. I like that they managed to bring back characters without it being excessive fan service. Uh, and I think when they, tr the, the emotions that they're hitting upon, they successfully do. Whatever flaws it has, the good outweighs it. So I'm giving it a nine out of 10 people with beef with Picard from his past. <laughs> damn. Hot damn. We're gonna populate our own little All colony right. of Picard hating androids here. Oh, gosh. All right. So for my, my opinions on Star Trek Picard, um, I would say overall, I did like it. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the mess at the end there soured a lot of it for me because yeah. it felt like there weren't re resolutions to a lot of things that I felt were really interesting about the first part of the season. So I think I'd probably put it somewhere in like a six or seven range mm. for me. Probably seven because like it, it did. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy like a lot of the the, the more nostalgic stuff and and you know where it like it, it got me curious enough to like go and look up a lot of the characters and see like how they were used before and like was it faithful wh ways that they changed what gaps did you they want you to fill in and that stuff I found genuinely enjoyable. I do think that the stuff with specifically data was handled very well. A lot of the connections to his legacy with the other two, I think got super freaking muddy at the yes. end. And it wasn't just like the, the CW 
you know, flipping back and forth stuff. It was also just like how he was related to them and how, you know, how Doc, like, did, you know, the, like how Maddox was related to them either. Because I thought the implication was that Maddox made all these guys, but then they go to the planet and it's, you he know, was the son yeah, of- he was working with Dr. Soong, the son of the guy that created Data, which we never knew existed. Right, just because we wanted to use that actor again, and I don't think he really needed to exist at all, honestly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to bring it down to kind of like a seven for me. Um, I'd have to rewatch it again to, to see how some of those things are kind of like, you know, like uh, addressed, addressed for me. But like uh, overall, I think that, you know, it, it was good. It, it just like, eh, I, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm sort of uh hesitantly excited to see where it goes in the future to see if it if it follows more of the trends from the first part of the season or like the lat the latter bit you know i yeah i I, it's always nice for me to because i don't always get the chance to talk to someone about a new trek thing with fresh eyes um because like once you've seen a little bit you start to kind of get the world so it's always it's always helpful to feel grounded and like in my rewatch, I I was able to sort of not be weighed down by those failings. But let me tell you, the first time I watched it, like when an episode of Picard would come out, I would rewatch it at one point during the week. With those last two episodes, I didn't. And it made me procrastinate rewatching the whole series. I also felt like pretty soured by them. Um, yeah. And I, it, as someone who's more of a fan, may, like, maybe if you watch it, you won't enjoy it the second time around as much as I did. Uh, I have no idea. But it is, it's, it's nice to hear uh, your perspective on that. It helps me it helps me see it for what it is and understand that all these crazy explanations I have in my head came only from my head and not from the show. <laughs> yeah, I guess it, it felt a little bit more contrived than maybe my expectations of the quality of Star Trek's stories. Um, oh, but yeah, Star Trek. I don't have a great basis for that. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Star Trek does a lot of wild shit. So <laughs> that's fair. Hit and miss. Um, there, the, one, um, but, the one thing I want to mention, which is not specifically uh-huh. about this, Jeff, you also finished uh, Discovery Season 2, which also ends yep. with a big, crazy AI villain doing crazy AI villain things in the future. And yeah. it could come back when that happens. I, well, <laughs> I mean, do you, do you share my assumption that they're building to a big robot Thanos with all these Star Trek shows? Man, I goddamn hope so. Otherwise, both of those things seemed super out of place in their respective <laughs> shows. That's fair. Because... Ultron um, just although, comes the fuck out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think overall, I think I liked Discovery better. Like, yeah. I, I can see some of the complaints, but it, for me, felt overall more cohesive than yeah. Picard. I think the thing is, the, the finale of Discovery Season 2 was a train wreck, but it wasn't a train wreck where the episode wasn't fun to watch. It was fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think it was that much of a train wreck. I, I guess, I think tonally, the show set you up to expect that kind of thing more than Picard yeah. did. Whereas Picard didn't feel like it was going to switch to like sort of CW actiony, whereas like Discovery kind of stays a little bit closer to that. Yeah. To I just think with, the Red Angel but... stuff math does not add up by the time that, oh, which is literally not, no. the framework of the entire season, and it doesn't. Yeah, but it, it also has the benefit of not having been quite as interesting as the whole thing with Data to begin with. <laughs> That's a so, good point. That's a very good point. So it's not as big of a letdown when it, it's yeah. just like, okay, we can be done with that now. Cool. <laughs> 
All right. But anyway, that that's a discussion for another Definitely. day. But for today, that is going to wrap it up for us. Uh, thank you for listening to the Comic Geeking Program. Again, I have been your host, uh, Jeff Levitt. You can find me. Uh, I've got an Instagram that where I put like my visual art stuff. That is things I wish existed. There's a dot between each word. Um, I have a YouTube channel where I try to do reviews uh, of toys most days and a few other kind of Transformers related things. If, if, if by some ridiculous miracle you're also into that uh that is alchemist prime reviews um there's like a a dot or a three in there somewhere i don't know i think that the e in primes is a three i don't remember at last time i saw alchemist prime was when we were playing minecraft together it's also yeah it's also my gamer tag on a lot of things but again i've been joined by colin and chatter do either of you guys have stuff you want to toss out into the void yeah um i uh you can find me i'm colin hi you can find me at sonic colin k on twitter and instagram and most places um for cgp we do a couple other podcasts if you go to commongeekingprogram.com you can find them uh dice populi uh just wrapped up a big story and had kind of a big send-off that i'm proud of so it's worth checking out dice populi so it's a pretty fun thing that we do nice Hi, uh, I'm Taimul, or Chatter, whichever you prefer. You can find me on Twitter, at Taimul Chodery. And uh, if I walk up those stairs, and I see some voodoo shit going down, <laughs> I am gonna lose my shit. This entire episode is, has actually been a dream, Chatter. I am so sorry. You're going to have to record it yes. again in 20 minutes. Alright, so let's talk about Star Trek <laughs> That's Picard. even worse than finding out someone sold my soul without my consent (laughs) sounds about right um all right uh lastly our next episode is going to be airing on i should have looked this up beforehand but i didn't uh third third friday of june correct which would be what goddamn day how do I look that up? Oh, here we go. Here's my comment. Well, in two weeks, the first Friday of June, there will be a common briefing program in this feed, which will be a recap of geek news for the month, led by me, and then Jeff will. And that'll be, that will be on June 5th, and then the next episode of CGP proper will be on June 19th. So look forward to those things. Very nice. And uh, yeah, that's that's all I've got. Thank you all for listening and subscribing, sharing, whatever it is you do for us. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week next month or if you're listening to common briefing program sooner than that ciao engage make it so is that what he what did he say make it so we're engaged at the end i don't remember he said one of them picard catchphrase this episode of the common geeking program uh was hosted by jeff levitt uh, joined by myself colin ketchin and timel chowdery this episode is sponsored by the fifth iteration of Issa Briones' character. I didn't come up with a name for it because I didn't know I was going to make this joke. And it's not funny, so it's not a joke. The podcast is created and produced by uh, myself and Jeff Levitt, with this episode edited uh, by me, featuring original music also by me. Uh, if you wanted to check out the things we talked about, uh, go ahead to CBS All Access. You can get a free trial sort of deal to watch it. It is a good show, I guess we've landed on, but we'll be back soon with a new episode about new stuff. So tune in then, and thank you for listening to this.
let's clap sync. Yes. At, uh, are we 18, 20, 21? Yeah, 22? yes. Okay, let's go 30 cool. minutes. <laughs> you guys were, were 12 minutes early. <laughs> um, I understand. It was humorous. Thank you. I tried my hardest on that joke. <laughs> I just watched an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine last night with Holt's mother, and they're both like, ah, yes, humor. I found that vastly amusing. <laughs> and... <laughs> all right, all right. You guys want to wanna get the show on the road? Yeah. It's clearly none of us are bringing the energy this morning, so we're let's get this momentum train started. We'll, we'll fucking started. get there, okay?